Chapter Thirty Six of Esther Waters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Esther Waters by George Moore. Chapter Thirty Six. One afternoon Fred Parsons came into the bar of the King's Head. He wore the cap and jersey of the Salvation Army. He was now Captain Parsons. The bars were empty. It was a time when business was slackest. The morning's betting was over, the crowd had dispersed, and would not collect again until the evening standard had come in. William had gone for a walk. Esther and the potboy were alone in the house. The potman was at work in the backyard. Esther was sewing in the parlour. Hearing steps, she went into the bar. Fred looked at her abashed. He was a little perplexed. He said, Is your husband in? I should like to speak to him. No, my husband is out. I don't expect him back for an hour or so. Can I give him any message? She was on the point of asking him how he was, but there was something so harsh and formal in his tone and manner that she refrained. But the idea in her mind must have expressed itself in her face, for suddenly his manner softened. He drew a deep breath and passed his hand across his forehead. Then, putting aside the involuntarily thought, he said, Perhaps it will come through you as well as any other way. I had intended to speak to him, but I can explain the matter better to you. It is about the betting that is being carried on here. We mean to put a stop to it. That's what I came to tell him. It must be put a stop to. No right-minded person. It cannot be allowed to go on. Esther said nothing. Not a change of expression came upon her grave face. Fred was agitated. The word stuck in his throat, and his hands were restless. Esther raised her calm eyes and looked at him. His eyes were pale, restless eyes. "'I've come to warn you,' he said, "'that the law will be set in motion. It is very painful for me, but something must be done. The whole neighbourhood is devoured by it.' Esther did not answer, and he said, "'Why don't you answer, Esther?' "'What is there for me to answer? You tell me that you are going to get up a prosecution against us. I can't prevent you. I'll tell my husband what you say.' "'This is a very serious matter, Esther.' He had come into command of his voice, and he spoke with earnest determination. If we get a conviction against you for keeping a betting-house, you will not only be heavily fined, but you will also lose your license. All we ask is that the betting shall cease. No, he said, interrupting, don't deny anything. It is quite useless. We know everything. The whole neighborhood is demoralized by this betting. Nothing is thought of but tips. The day's racing... That is all they think about, the evening papers and the latest information. You do not know what harm you're doing. 
every day we hear of some new misfortune a home broken up the mother in the workhouse the daughter on the streets the father in prison and all on account of this betting oh esther it is horrible think of the harm you're doing fred parsons high round forehead his weak eyes his whole face was expressive of fear and hatred of the evil which a falsetto voice denounced with much energy suddenly he seemed to grow nervous and perplexed esther was looking at him and he said you don't answer esther what would you have me answer you used to be a good religious woman do you remember how we used to speak when we used to go for walks together when you were in service in the avondale road i remember you agreeing with me that much good could be done by those who were determined to do it you seem to have changed very much since those days for a moment esther seemed affected by these remembrances then she said in a low musical voice no i'm not changed fred but things has turned out different one doesn't do the good that one would like to in the world one has to do the good that comes to one to do i've my husband and my boy to look to them's my good at least that's how i see things fred looked at esther and his eyes expressed all the admiration and love that he felt for her character one owes a great deal he said to those who are near to one but not everything even for their sakes one should not do wrong to others and you must see that you are doing a great wrong to your fellow-creatures by keeping on this betting public houses are bad enough but when it comes to gambling as well as drink there is nothing for us to do but to put the law in motion look you esther there isn't a shop-boy earning eighteen shillings a week that hasn't been round here to put his half-crown on some horse this house is the moral centre of the neighbourhood no one's money is refused the boy that pawned his father's watch to back a horse went to the king's head to put his money on his father forgave him again and again then the boy stole from the lodgers there was an old woman of seventy-five who got nine shillings a week for looking after some offices he had half a crown of her then the father told the magistrate that he could do nothing with him since he had taken to betting on horse races the boy is fourteen is it not shocking it cannot be allowed to go on we have determined to put a stop to it that's what i came to tell your husband are you sure said esther and she bit her lips while she spoke that it is entirely for the neighbourhood that you want to get up prosecution you don't think there is any other reason esther you surely don't think that i'm doing this because because he took you away from me esther didn't answer and then fred said and there was pain and pathos in his voice i am sorry you think this of me i'm not getting up the prosecution i couldn't prevent the law being put in motion against you even if i wanted to i only know that it is going to be put in motion 
so for the sake of old times i would save you from harm if i could i came round to tell you if you did not put a stop to the betting you'd get into trouble i have no right to do what i have done but i do anything to save you and yours from harm i'm sorry for what i said it was very good of you we have not any proofs as yet we know of course all about the betting but we must have sworn testimony before the law can be set in motion so you'll be quite safe if you can persuade your husband to give it up esther did not answer it is entirely on account of the friendship i feel for you that made me come to warn you of the danger you don't bear me any ill-will esther i hope no fred i don't i think i understand the conversation paused again i suppose we have said everything esther turned her face from him fred looked at her and though her eyes were averted from him she could see that he loved her in another moment he was gone in her plain and ignorant way she thought on the romance of destiny for if she had married fred her life would have been quite different she would have led the life that she wished to lead but she had married william and well she must do the best she could if fred or fred's friends got the police to prosecute them for betting they would as he said not only have to pay a heavy fine but would probably lose their license then what would they do william had no health to go about from race-course to race-course as he used to he had lost a lot of money in the last six months jack was at school they must think of jack the thought of their danger lay on her heart all that evening but she had had no opportunity of speaking to william alone she had to wait until they were in their room then as she untied the strings of her petticoats she said i had a visit from fred parsons this afternoon that's the fellow you were engaged to marry is he after you still no he came to speak to me about the betting about the betting what is it to do with him he says that if it isn't stopped that we shall be prosecuted so he came here to tell you that did he i wish i had been in the bar i'm glad you wasn't what good could you have done to have a row and make things worse william lit his pipe and unlaced his boots esther slipped on her nightdress and got into a large brass bedstead without curtains on the chest of drawers esther had placed the books her mother had given her and william had hung some sporting prints on the walls he took his nightshirt from the pillow and put it on without removing his pipe from his mouth he always finished his pipe in bed it is revenge he said pulling the bedcloth up to his chin because i got you away from him i don't think it is that i did think so at first and i said so what did he say he said he was sorry i thought so badly of him that he came to warn us of our danger if he had wanted to do us injury he wouldn't have said nothing about it don't you think so it seems reasonable 
then what do you think they're doing it for he says that keeping a betting-house is corruption in the neighbourhood you think he thinks that i know he do and there is many like him i came of them that thinks like that so i know betting and drink is what my folk the brethren holds as most evil but you forgot all about them brethren no one never forgets what one's brought up in but what do you think now i've never said nothing about it i don't believe in a wife interfering with her husband and business was that bad and your elf hasn't been the same since them colds you caught standing about in them betting rings so i don't see how you could help it but now that business is being to come back to us it might be as well to give up the betting it is the betting that brings the business we shouldn't take five pounds a week was it not for the betting what's the difference between betting on the course and betting in the bar no one says nothing against it on the course the police is there and they goes after the welshers and persecute them then the betting that's done at tattersall's and the alt club what is the difference the stock exchange too where thousands and thousands is betted every day it's the old story one law for the rich and another for the poor why shouldn't the poor man have his half-crown worth of excitement the rich man can have his thousand pounds worth whenever he pleases the same with the public houses there's a lot of hypocritical folk that is for docking the poor man of his beer but there's no one that's for interfering with them that drink champagne in the clubs it's all bloody rot and it makes me sick when i think of it them hypocritical folk betting isn't everything betting how can they put down betting hasn't it been going on since the world began rot says i they can just ruin a poor devil like me and that's about all we are ruined and the rich go scot-free hypocritical mealy-mouthed lot let's say our prayers and sand the sugar that's about it i hate them that always fratting about religion when i hears too much religion going about i says now's the time to look into their accounts william leaned out of bed to light his pipe from the candle on the night-table there's good people in the world people that never thinks but of doing good and do not live for pleasure all work and now play makes jack a dull boy esther their only pleasure is a bet when they've won on they've something to look forward to whether they win or lose they as their money's worth you know what i say is true you've seen them how they look forward to the evening paper to see how the oss is going on in betting man can't live without hope it is their only hope and i says no one has a right to take it from them what about their poor wives very little good their betting is to them it is all very well to talk like that william 
but you know and you can't say you don't that a great deal of mischief comes of betting you know that once they think of it and nothing else they neglect their work there's stack he lost his place as porter there's journeyman too he's out of work and a good thing for them they've done a great deal better since they chucked it for the time maybe but who says it will go on look at old john he's going about in rags and his poor wife she was in here the other night a terrible life she has had of it you says that no arm comes of it what about that boy that was add up the other day and said that it was all through betting he began by pawning his father's watch it was here that he made the first bet you won't tell me that it is right to bet with bits of boys like that the horse he backed with me won so much the worse the boy'll never do another honest day's work as long as he lives when they win they as a drink for luck when they loses they as a drink to cheer them up i'm afraid esther you ought to have married the other chap he'd have given you the life that you'd have been happy in this public house ain't suited to you esther turned round and her eyes met her husband's there was a strange remoteness in his look and they seemed very far from each other i was brought up to think so differently she said her thoughts going back to her early years in the little southern seaside home i suppose this betting and drinking will always seem to me sinful and wicked i should have liked quite a different kind of life but we don't choose our lives we just makes the best of them you was the father of my child and it all dates from that i suppose it do william lay on his back and blew the smoke swiftly from his mouth if you smoke much more we shan't be able to breathe in this room i won't smoke no more shall i blow the candle out yes if you like when the room was in darkness just before they settled their faces on their pillow for sleep william said it was good of that fellow to come and warn us i must be very careful for the future with whom i bet end of chapter thirty six read by lars rolander